You're listening to another wrestling episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns with your guy, Bully Rye and PJ Steven. That's right, everybody. It's another episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns, season four. And as always, it's your guy, Bully Rye. And we've got a combo episode for you this week. And to be completely forthcoming, I don't know how this episode is going to turn out. My cable and internet has gone out again. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that it is not a first occurrence on this show. Uh, But we are going to fight through it. And we are going to do the best we can in the break it down. PJ, Steven, and I are going to be breaking down Wrestle Kingdom 13 in preparation for this week's Wrestle Kingdom 17 uh, that will be taking place uh, 4 o'clock Wednesday morning, I believe, uh, our time, Eastern Standard Time. Um, Having said that, I'm not sure if PJ, Steven, and I are going to be able to get together to record that beforehand. So stay tuned. Um, If you're listening to the show, it may have already taken place, and it may be after Hashtag Wrestling Wednesdays on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Um, We're going to talk Wrestle Kingdom 13, and we're going to preview Wrestle Kingdom 17. Leading into our next episode, where we are going to be breaking down Wrestle Kingdom 17, hopefully with a special guest that was here at the beginning of Season 4 when we broke down Wrestle Kingdom 2022. uh, So for today... um, for, for this week's opening bell, we're going to talk some football, uh, primarily because we are not going to do picks this week on the show. Um, I'll get into why in just a second. Um, but let's let's start off with some with some football talk um, as far as is what's what's going on in the world of, of college football. We had uh, there's three games that I'm going to touch on. And obviously, one is going to be a homer pick for me, South Carolina against Notre Dame down in Jacksonville. Um, we had uh, we had a great time. I, I should say I had a great time down in Jacksonville at the Gator Bowl. Um, my, my buddy Chaney and I, shout out to Chaney. Uh, we went down there. Uh, long story short, uh, it, it took me a lot longer to get down there than it should have. Be it car troubles, uh, go figure when it rains, it pours. Um, and then it, the, the drive down took a little bit longer because of traffic. South Carolina led by 14 at the end of the first quarter, would give up that lead and would ultimately lose that game uh, with about three or four penalties uh, t- on the final drive of the game when they were trying to score. Listen, if you're a fan of good football, that was a phenomenal game to watch. And I suggest if you haven't seen it to go out and watch that game. But the other two college football games we're going to talk about are even more, to me, more important. Uh, They were even more entertaining than my own game, and that was the college football semifinal games. TCU and Michigan uh, went essentially went down to the wire. Uh, Michigan goes down big early. They go into halftime down 21-6, to come storming back in the third quarter, outscore TCU 24-20. to in the third quarter, uh, listen, there was a there was a couple of controversial plays in this game. Uh, Michigan had a receiver in the end zone in the first half who had possession of a touchdown, did not have possession until he was in the end zone. They called it back to the one-yard line. Michigan would fumble the ensuing handoff, and TCU would gain possession, uh, forcing a, a missed opportunity there for Michigan. And then at the end of the game, Michigan is down six, driving to to take a lead again subtract that six or seven that was on that would have been on the board for that touchdown on fourth down fumble the snap and it was chaos and at the end of the play a tcu defender comes in draw launches his helmet into the base of the neck of the of the michigan offensive player i can't remember if it was a running back or wide receiver who had who had caught a, a forward lateral a legal forward lateral um, they would review and ultimately decide it was not targeting. TCU would turn Michigan over on downs. They would win the game 51-45. to 45. Not to be outdone, though, 
Georgia, Ohio State, the one and four game. Boy, howdy, was this a fun game to watch. Halftime, Georgia goes in leading 20, I'm, I'm sorry, trailing 28 to 24. Ohio State would, would go up, uh, score 10 more in the third quarter, and a back and forth battle would ensue. Georgia, however, would, would score 18 in the fourth quarter to take a 42 to 41 lead. Ohio State drives the ball down the field to attempt a 50 yard field goal to go to the national championship. And their kicker completely and utterly shanks the kick far wide left. The announcers on TV called it no good before it even got to the crossbar. Georgia survives Ohio state 42 to 41. They will play TCU for the national championship Monday, January 9th at seven 30. There were a couple of other upsets, not really an upset. Uh, Tennessee would beat Clemson in the Orange Bowl pretty handedly. Um, I'm looking at the games now. Mississippi State wins in the finale of the Mike Leach-led uh, uh, Bulldogs. Obviously, Mike Leach had passed away late last month, um, or I should say early last month, uh, to a heart attack. Uh, Tulane upsets Southern Cal in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, Purdue absolutely gets curb stomped by LSU 63 to seven in the Citrus Bowl. And then Penn State, a big win over Utah in the Rose Bowl 35 to 21. So looking forward to the college football national championship this coming Monday. Um, again, I it's really sad that I'm not going to be making picks this week for that game alone. Um, but there's a reason why we're not going to make picks. Uh, if you have been living under a rock, a situation took place on Monday night football, uh, barely into the first quarter of this game. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. Um, Cincinnati, uh, against Buffalo. I, I mentioned last week on the show is could have been the best Monday night game of the season. Uh, T Higgins catches a pass and is tackled by Buffalo bill safety, DeMar Hamlin. Uh, DeMar Hamlin gets up immediately and collapses on the field. Um, this game was suspended. Uh, DeMar Hamlin had to be given CPR and arterial defibrillation on the field. I probably butchered the pronunciation of that, and I apologize. Uh, but uh, DeMar Hamlin experienced cardiac arrest on the field. Um, the cameras would not pick up on it because the team rightfully so created a wall around him and the paramedics and the first responders who resuscitated him on the field. Uh, as of this recording, he is still listed in critical condition. Uh, vitals apparently are all good, but he does have a, a breathing tube in um, as of, as of late last night. Um, again, if you haven't seen this, I don't suggest you look at it. I don't suggest you look for it. It's probably still out there, um, but it was quite possibly one of the scariest moments in a sporting event I've seen. And I've seen uh, plenty of people seize up when being concussed. I'm talking Javid Best when he was at Cal. I'm talking um, Tua Tungavailoa earlier this season. I believe it was on that field in Cincinnati as well. Um, we have seen some very, uh, I mean, I've, I've saw Marcus Lattimore's career end in Columbia, South Carolina, where a defender dove at his knee and the bottom half of his leg went one way and the top half of his leg went another. You have seen some, I say you, we have all seen some very disturbing moments while watching uh, sports. Uh, you've seen pitchers hit with, uh, hit back, fastballs back at their face. Um, you've seen, uh, I, I could go on and on, right? Having said all that, this, uh, this situation was, was the scariest moment I've ever seen in sports. And it's because knowing now after the fact that it was a life and death situation, it was a very uh, unfortunate situation that, a player could have and maybe maybe might have died on the field last night. Um, and by, by last night, I'm recording this on Tuesday. Um, it's 
one of these moments and, and everybody, all the sports pundits have, have come out and all the sports talk shows have come out. All sports media has, uh, has done a really good job of covering this the way that it should be. Um, this situation transcended football. The number of people who have come out to, to show support for DeMar Hamlin um, has been astronomical. Uh, it's been very well documented. He had a he had a charity, a GoFundMe, for a charity that he started that helped uh, children in his mother's neighborhood uh, get presents post COVID nineteen. Um, and he had a goal set for twenty five hundred. Since his uh, collapse on the field last night, his charity has raised over four million dollars. Um, it's. I've never seen a game postponed um, because of an injury before. Um, it's been, uh, it's again, a very sad and somber and scary situation. And for that reason, um, I don't think it's appropriate outside of the, 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 the sort of recap of over the, what happened the past weekend. Um, I don't think it's entirely appropriate to pick football games this weekend um, because as of right now, I don't see how either Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills or the Cincinnati Bengals could field a team after witnessing uh, an opponent um, and for the Bills, a, a, a teammate, a brother, um, have a, such a traumatic experience on the field. I don't understand how and I can't comprehend how uh, until we have an, an, a status update that DeMar Hamlin is going to be okay, that they can go out and play a football game. And when every NFL team has gone to their social media profiles and updated um, their, their, their photos to a picture of, of, of praying for DeMar or whatever the case may be, um, I don't understand how the NFL can go forward until – we get a, a real life status update on on his well being. Um, it's it's. Listen, we don't talk about this often because it doesn't happen often. But at the end of the day, these athletes, um, and not just athletes, not just football players, we talk about wrestlers that that put their lives on the line every day to entertain fans. Um, and I think we as as fans, and and those in the media. Um, we forget that these athletes are more than just numbers. They're more than just athletes. Uh, they're human beings. They have families, uh, parents, siblings, children. And it's just, uh, to me, to me, I didn't feel like it'd be appropriate to talk about football knowing the situation that he's in. Now we're going to talk a lot of wrestling today. Uh, because there's some really exciting stuff coming in the world of pro wrestling. But I would remiss if I didn't take some time and at least in the limited platform that I have express my concern and my condolences to the family of DeMar Hamlin and hope that he makes a full and fast recovery after such a scary situation. As someone who has had a, a father who um, who, who passed away from a brain aneurysm, who has had a mother who suffered a heart attack a mere few months after having open heart surgery. Um, I know how scary uh, medical tragedies and catastrophes uh, can be. And I, I wanted to take a second to, uh, for, the, for the few people that do listen to the show, um, to, to ask you to if, if, if you if you believe in something to, to say a prayer for Demar Hamlin and his family uh, tonight and going forward until uh, and, until we get some some resolution uh, with his condition because uh, Lord knows that you never want to see someone go out doing the thing that they love um, in in such a tragic way so prayers to Demar Hamlin and his family uh, and for that reason we'll not be making football picks uh, this week despite having the national championship game uh, on next week's show. When we review wrestle kingdom 17, um, I'll sort of do another, another football recap. And you can believe me or not when I give you my picks 
um, uh, next week on, on who I had winning the national championship. Um, once again, uh, we're going to talk some Wrestle Kingdom 13 here uh, coming up next and break it down. I'm going to go ahead and, and apologize for my voice. I mentioned that I went to Jacksonville and I've still not recovered my voice from Florida. So please bear with me with the technical issues with my bad voice um, and, and with anything else that we may be coming across in this show. Um, but for that, for that being said, I appreciate you listening to the open and bell this week coming up next, break it down. PJ, Steven and I are going to break down wrestle kingdom 13. Stay tuned. We'll be right back right here on tap house and touchdowns. Established in 2008, One Stop Repairs in North Charleston, South Carolina is your one-stop shop for all your electronic repair needs. Specializing in cell phones, tablets, computers, laptops, and game consoles, One Stop Repairs offers reputable and quality service with the quickest turnaround time and most competitive prices in the Lowcountry. You can find them on Google with an exceptional 4.9-star rating or on Facebook or by searching One Stop Repairs. That's the number one, One Stop Repairs. Call today for a quote at 843-343-6310. That's the number one, One Stop Repairs. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Hope you enjoyed opening bell with some football talk, but we are here today to discuss Wrestle Kingdom 13. took place January 4th in 2019 from Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan, but we can't talk about Wrestle Kingdom without bringing back wrestling show co-host PJ Steven, who is here up with us with all of our wrestling episodes. PJ, how are you doing today, bud? Oh, I'm fantastic, man. I'm, I'm glad that we're knocking this out. I cannot wait to talk about New Japan with you for the next two weeks. Uh, of course, today we're talking about Wrestle Kingdom 13, uh, and then the week after that we'll be talking about the most recent recent. Wrestle Kingdom that I was up at two in the morning watching. Uh, super stoked to talk to you about that. But right now we're going to stay focused on the subject at hand, which is, like you mentioned a second ago, Wrestle Kingdom 13. It always takes place on January 4th, as you said, and it's always in the what? The, the Tokyo, Tokyo Dome. Dome. Yes, uh, I love hearing it. I really, really do. This was a, such a fun event. Let me say right off the rip. I loved every single match on this card. I forgot how much I loved it. I forgot how much I loved Cody and New Japan. I forgot how much Jericho just looked fantastic. And I forgot that this is pretty much the start of the Switchblade era with Jay White. Not when he captured the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, but this is a big deal for Jay White. This pay-per-view indeed is a big deal for Switchblade Jay White, and I'm stoked to get into it. Listen, uh, first and foremost, um, I should mention that we did try to record this episode uh, prior to the, when you were listening to it. Um, unfortunately, I had, a, I had a split internet cable, so we were recording this on Thursday, January 5th, so after Wrestle Kingdom 17 is taken care of um, or has taken place. But uh, I wanted to mention, because you said it was the sort of the start of the, the Switchblade Jay White era, it was also... Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure that you would agree. This is basically the last hoorah for the AEW guys because we, we would see right after the show um, guys like Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, the Young Bucks, uh, Cody Rhodes, um, even even the best friends would all uh, leave New Japan uh, not long after this, and they would start and create All Elite Wrestling uh, do I have my timeline right right on that, PJ? Yeah, you, you're pretty much correct about that because I will say, um, you got to remember, the year after that was Wrestle Kingdom 14, the first time that they ever did a double Wrestle Kingdom where it was uh, the, the fourth and the fifth. And if my memory serves me correctly, um, it was the, I think it was the fifth, that it was Chris Jericho taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi, and if Tanahashi won, he got an AEW um, title match, and of I course Chris you, Jericho yeah. defeated him by submission. But um, yeah, so it was the next month, or excuse me, the next year, Wrestle Kingdom fourteen, uh, which also comes to mind. That was the uh, the retirement year for Jushin Thunder Liger, which is fun. But um, yeah, so that's so you are correct in that timeline. 
Well, let's get right into it then. Wrestle Kingdom 13, January of 2019. There was one pre-show match that went 27 minutes, 47 seconds. And I sort of like the way that they did this. It was a gauntlet match to determine the number one contenders for the never open weight six-man tag team championship. The teams involved, the most violent players, a team of Togi Makabe and Toru Yano. Hold on one second. Togi Makabe. Makabe, thank you. Uh, and Toriyano, along with Rasuki Taguchi, mm-hmm. taking on Yuji Nagata, Jeff Cobb, and David Finley. Uh, Chaos, featuring Haruki Goto, Beretta, and Chucky e. T, otherwise known as Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor, the best friends. Suzuki Goon, uh, team featuring Minoru Suzuki, Lance Archer, and Davey Boy Smith Jr. And finally, the Elite, a team of Hangman Adam Page, Yujiro Takahashi, and Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull which is a weird thing to say um, after all this time. And, and we had some uh, some interesting things happen with Marty Skrull uh, years later after this event. Uh, PJ, I'm going to let you start off every match with your, with, with your thoughts. How did you feel about this this kickoff show gauntlet match for the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championship number one contendership? Absolutely loved it. Um Big fan of, uh, of of all these teams, all these players. Uh, Hiroki Goto, I'm a huge fan of, and him teaming with the best friends is just super fun. Um, getting to see Minoru Suzuki and uh, getting to hear the crowd chant uh, with his theme song yeah. never gets old. Lance Archer looked great here, by the way, along with Davey Boy Smith Jr. Uh, I was I, I had forgotten that it was uh, Togi Makabe, Toriyano, and uh, Toguchi who went on. Um, that is number one, number one contender for the never open weight six man tag champ. So that was a really cool surprise. Uh, I couldn't remember who all w- won each uh, each match. So really really cool um, to uh, to see that. And all I could say to you know the Marty Scroll situation, uh, what a fucking waste, man. Because he's such a great talent, and I loved seeing him in the ring. If I can be honest, but um, yeah, um, but yeah, great match. Loved it. I love this idea to the the gauntlet match, especially with six uh, six men. Usually you do it's one on one, or usually it's tag team, but not this time. It was a six man, and that's awesome. Not to mention, I like the gauntlet match to start off the show. You yeah. get a lot of people worked in thirty minutes in uh, with thirty minutes to spare for the main card. A couple notes I took: crazy that the elite were the first eliminated. Chase Owens loses his shit trying to get involved, and it backfires. Uh, you get the best friends. Fun to see them here before the AEW original spot. Um, Yuji Nagata, for being his age at this point, was in tremendous shape uh, yes. in this match. Um, Jeff Cobb held the best friends up for a suplex. It wasn't just like he he flipped them. He held them up for that double suplex. Um, Suzuki and Nagata were beating the hell out of each other at this one point. Uh, there was a Smith, a David Boy Smith, and Archer finish on David Finley that I thought was really fun. Um, I didn't like that Yanu pinned David Boy Smith Jr. off with a low blow, but David, you, you mentioned David Boy Smith looked great here. I thought he did too. Um, unfo- I, I don't even know where he's at at this point. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. I gave this match three stars. PJ first, what kind of star ratings you give this match? And two, do you know where David Boy Smith is right now? Uh, I did give this match uh, three stars. And I wanted to mention real quick before I get into that, uh, Yuji Nagata was part of Wrestle Kingdom um, 17 as well. So it's funny to talk about, like, you know. Being in good uh, shape three years yeah. ago. Uh, but to answer your question, he is actually at NWA right now. He, um, he, he made his debut at the Crockett Cup uh, in March of last year, I think. Um, Double-check that. But I'm pretty sure it's, um, it, was, um, it was March what of 2022. What a time to be a wrestling fan. You got New Japan, you got AEW, you got Impact, you got uh, WWE, obviously, you got NXT, and you got uh, 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 what you just said, NWA. Uh, what a time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Eugene Nagata was on, uh, ironically, he teamed up with um, Kojima and Togi Makabe uh, against Tatsumi Fujinami. Uh, oh, God. Tatsumi Fujinami. Uh, Minoru Suzuki and Tiger Mask, and that was just an Antonio Inoki uh, memorial six-man yeah. tag that went on at Wrestle Kingdom 17. I cannot wait to see that. Let's not give anything more away. We're going to talk about all all things Wrestle Kingdom 17 in the main event of the show. Um, let's get into the main card here from 20, 2019, Wrestle Kingdom 13. Boy, did we start off with a bang. Never open weight championship match. 
Will Ospreay taking on Kota Ibushi. Uh, uh, Ibushi coming in as the champion. I wrote one note. This match is nuts. Fast-paced, high-flying, and honestly, it was weird to see a tamed-down Will Ospreay here. Um, love the finish. Love the actual finisher from uh, from the, from the the, uh, the winner here. I gave this match four stars. PJ, uh, give us your thoughts. Will Ospreay taking on Kota Ibushi here at Wrestle Kingdom 19. Or, uh, sorry, Wrestle Kingdom 13. Yeah, I, I just wrote the psychology is fantastic in this match. I loved, 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 loved the reversal from Kota, or from Will Ospreay, uh, Kota Ibushi doing the German on the on the uh, ropes like he does. Ospreay does the backflip, and then Kota does that that slow turn and notices that Will Ospreay is still upright. Ah, uh, so good. I had forgotten that Kota Ibushi lost here. Uh, I really thought it was a... Uh, uh, Kotobushi going over. Uh, now I gave this match four and a half stars. I mean, this is the start of Will Ospreay's true oh, uh, yeah. singles singles push, and just fantastic stuff here. I loved it, loved it, loved it. This actually goes into Will Ospreay losing to Jeff Cobb for the uh, Ring of Honor and the Never Open Away Championship as well at G1 Supercard, I believe. So because yeah. that was also 2019. This match goes to 18 minutes and 13 seconds, and I don't feel like it ever like. There was ever a lull really in this match. Like it was good all 18 minutes and 13 seconds of it. Yeah, um, not a, not a, not at all. Uh, the next matchup is a three-way tag team match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. Los Ingobernables de Japón featuring Bushi and Shingo Takagi taking on Suzuki Goon, Yoshinobi. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna get this. Don't don't stop me. Yoshinobu Kanemaru. And El Desperado. How did I do that? Did I do, did I do yeah, that? Yeah, that was good. That was good. And uh, and um, the two of them and Rapagi 3K, which features Sho and Yo, um, which would be the third team in this match. This match only went six minutes and 50 seconds. By far the shortest match on the card. Uh, PJ, tell us your thoughts. IWGP three-way tag team championship match for the uh, junior heavyweight tag team championship. I I understand why it went short. I wanted more, though. Uh, I was happy that Bushi and Shingo Takagi um, got the win, though, because you know me. I'm a big Shingo fan. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I'm a, you know me. I'm a huge Shingo oh, yeah. fan. I love the guy. And uh, I think he's – anyway. Um, so I was happy that they got the uh, they got the win. I love the spot with the double whiskey shoot, and uh, they interrupt that. Seeing Sho and Yo team up again – or te teaming up for the past was really fun. They're not separated. Show is obviously in uh, Bullet Club, and Yo is still in Chaos. Uh, yeah, I wanted a little bit more, but not a bad match. I gave it three stars. Yeah, I gave it two and a half stars. I, not much to say. It was great action, but the only thing I didn't like about it is they kept teasing that uh, Suzuki Goon came in as the champions were going to uh, extend and break the longest reigning tag team championships for the junior heavyweight titles. And they would lose, obviously, like you said, to Bushi and Takagi. Uh, so that was the only thing I didn't like. I figured, you know, you, you tease in this this extension of the of the record, or, or maybe the potential breaking of the record, and it doesn't happen. So, um, so yeah. Nevertheless, a good match. I gave it, like you said, you gave it three stars. I gave it two and a half. It looks like I'm giving everything a half star less than you. Um, yeah, nothing in this pay per view got less than three stars. Yeah, uh, I, gave, my shit. I gave two and two and a half was the lowest I gave it. Gave you anything and two and a half. Yep. When you do a five star rating, two and a half is like a good match, like a pretty average, like really good match to watch. Um, and, and this was no different. I'd say you what was a really good match to watch is the next one. The British heavyweight championship is on the line. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii, the champion, defending against Zack Saber Jr., who came to the ring. Alongside Takamishinoku, which is a great, a great scene for me. Um, I, I wrote two notes. Uh, there is a Zack Saber Jr.'s got some submission transitions that are just phenomenal. Great back and forth match. There was a two armed octopus submission that was just really, really like just it was nasty, man. Like it was a, it was it looked like a submission. When you want submissions in wrestling to hurt, you want it to look like this two armed octopus. Yeah. I gave this match three stars. PJ, how'd you feel about the British Heavyweight Championship? We also should notice the Red Pro Championship, I believe, changed. Like, they, they were going to put the old title 
in a museum after this match, and this was the debut of the of the uh, you know never. I'm trying to think of how to put it. The uh, modern Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. How'd you feel about this match and the uh, the title change in the way that it took place here on the show? Fantastic. Uh, I, I literally wrote a wild clash of styles. Still terrific nonetheless. I gave it three and a half stars. Um, big fans of both these guys. Well, I'm not really a fan of Zack Sabre. He's a fantastic wrestler, but he's just a prick. Um, but can't take anything away from him. He did a good showing here, and so did Ishii. Yeah, another really good match. 11 minutes, 35 seconds. Um, and it was, it, was, it was great pretty much the whole way through as well. Um, we are- oh, I wanted to. I wanted to tell you. I wanted to tell you something too in the audience here. Uh, you can look back at our archives and tap out some touchdowns, and you can see that where we did a review of Star K ninety seven, and we started talking about uh, what do you think was the first shovel in the dirt of WCW? What, what was the first thing? I recently read an article that Tony Schiavone actually believes that the very first shovel into the dirt was Star K ninety seven. So he also shares our sentiment, Ryan. I forgot to tell you that off. Uh, off air, but uh, we're on air now, and um, it, it's nice well, to a, know that we're right. It's a good tie-in too because New Japan had a super show with WCW, I believe, Starcade '95, '95 or '96, I think. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to if we haven't already done it. We're gonna have to go back and review that show at some point to look at yeah, all the New Japan wrestlers um, coming over. There is a there was a spot in uh in one of those um. One of those pay per views with uh, with with New Japan where Jericho is taking on um, uh, Gato, I believe, and <laughs> I mean Jericho saves Gato from breaking his fucking neck from botching a um, um, botching a, a top a top rope move. But um, I think you are right. I think that is Starcade ninety five. ninety five because you had Lex Luger taking on uh, oh my gosh Masahiro Chono. Um, it looks like Minoru Suzuki against Eddie Guerrero. Uh, you know, just we're going to get off topic here for a minute because this is the New Japan show and we're going to do it. So I'm going to actually live look at what the uh, what the show was here. Uh, Starcade 1995. And we're going to review this show at some point because this is, again, just thinking about what we're talking about now. What a fun show. Matter of fact, I used to have a WCW magazine that had the Starcade 95 on the back cover. Uh, you've got, uh, let's see, the American Males taking on Blue Bloods. Jushin Thunder Liger taking on Chris Benoit. Uh, yeah, you, fantastic. You Koji Kanemoto taking on Alex Wright. Lex Luger taking on Masahiro Chono. Uh, Johnny B. Bad taking on Masa Saito. Oh, wow. Uh, you got Shinjiro Otani. Uh, taking on a Guerrero, Randy Savage taking on Hiroshi Tenzan. Yeah, look at that! Uh, look at that main event. Uh, shut. Hold on. Let me let me go down here. Sting taking on Kazuki Sasaki. Um, Ric Flair taking he took on Sting and Lex Luger, and then he took on Randy Savage. And for I guess this was oh this was the match. So Ric Flair, Randy Savage was the actual main event. There was a match that went on in the dark match, one man gang. Defeated Kensuke Sasaki for the WCW United States Championship. Yeah, we're gonna have to watch this card over, man. This this looks like it could be a fun card. Uh, oh yeah, I'm I'm totally down. Let's get back into Wrestle Kingdom 13. Uh, we haven't gone off a tangent in a while. So that was nice. By the but by, by the way, I was wrong about that. It was not Starcade. It was Halloween Havoc '97. It's Jericho and Gato, where Jericho pretty much saves uh, uh Gato, which is that stuff. was because we I think we reviewed that show because Eddie Guerrero was the like one of the greatest matches of all time. Guerrero did we did we review that one? Yeah, I guess we did review that one. Okay, maybe yeah. and we probably talked about the same thing. So sorry, you have to hear it again. Listen, but what you're not going to have to hear again is the next match. Yeah, like that. Yeah, it was good. No, I just want to say we've you've you've turned me into a new Japan mark. So thank you for that. Uh, oh, I love it. Yeah, but yeah, it does lead us into the next match. Another another tag team championship three way match. A three-way tag team match for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. Uh, the, the the teams, the Young Bucks, the uh, taking on Los Ingobernables de Japón, the team featuring Sonata and Evil, taking on the champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, G.O.D., Tama Tonga, and Tonga Loa. This match goes 10 minutes, 15 seconds. PJ, how do you feel about this match? The IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. 
Uh, amazing. I love. I loved the team of Sonata and Evil. I, I get why they split, and I love. I'm a big fan of Sonata. I think he should be a future champ. I put him in the same category as I do, like Shingo Takagi. Um, I never get enough of hearing God's theme. I wrote that down. Like I really like that theme. Um, and then Young Bucks, you know, they're they're there. Fun stuff. But I was happy that Sonata and Evil went over there. That was cool. Yeah, I I gotta know how how many stars you give it because right now we're on a, we're on a streak that everything I gave you gave it half a star more. Oh, I I, I gave this star. I gave this match four stars. Oh, I, so I outstarred you. I gave this four and a half stars. I oh thought, wow! Yeah, I thought this match was all over the place. It was hard to keep up. Uh, I don't know how I felt about the winners. Um, honestly, again, ten minutes, fifteen seconds. I thought this match could have gone for another ten minutes, and I wouldn't have been upset about it. Um, I almost felt shortchanged that it was too short, but I guess um, I don't know. You could keep the titles on the Gorillas of Destiny, but you're obviously not going to give it to the Young Bucks as they're on their way out to AEW. And if you're keeping track. I believe that's one, two, three. That's your fourth title change in yeah. four matches on the main card as uh, Los Ingobernables go over Sonata and Evil, your new IWGB Tag Team Champions. What a great match. And, and I'm not one for, like, New Japan, I guess I wouldn't call them really bad with it, but they're really, really adamant about making these, like, multi-team and multi-superstar, multi multi-wrestler matches. And um, this one didn't feel that way. It was really good. And we don't get another multi-team, multi-person match for the rest of the show. The next one on the card, to me, it might have been the worst match on the card. Nine minutes and two seconds, Juice Robinson taking on Cody Rhodes for the IWGP United States Championship. Cody going in as the champion. Um, I'm going to give you my notes here because I said, I thought, in my opinion, it might have been the, the worst match on the card, but I still gave it two and a half stars. Pretty average match with some Gaga from Brandy Rhodes on the outside. Um, it was It's fun to see what New Japan, this is what I wrote in my notes, it's fun to see what New Japan was doing for all the guys starting to head over to AEW. Cody looked very average at times, but you could tell when he got comfortable as the match went on, the match got better. Uh, ultimately, Juice Robinson would go over Cody Rhodes and become your new IWGP United States champion. The fifth straight title change on this card. PJ, how'd you feel about this? Juice Robinson and Cody Rhodes. I think it could have gone longer. Uh, I, I I did write down that Cody needs to be a heel. He should be a my daddy was Dusty Rhodes and I'm better than you fucking heel. And uh, I don't I don't care for him as a babyface. Seeing him in this cocky, um, you know, American Nightmare, loved it. Uh, I think the match was pretty good. I did gave it three and a half stars. Uh, love the finish. Juice Robinson going over. I'm a big fan of Juice. He's in Bullet Club now, too. Um, how crazy that is now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great match. Yeah. Uh, this next match on the card, when I first saw, that, saw it on paper, I knew it was going to be a barn burner. And you could argue that it could have been one of the best, like the, the match of the night until you get to the end. Jeez, uh, man. The next four matches, I don't give less than four stars. Uh, next up, after Juice and Cody, you get the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match. The champion, Kushida, defending against Taiji Ishimori. PJ, this match went 11 minutes and 17 seconds. I could have seen this for another five or ten minutes. How would you feel about this IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match here? Yeah, uh, I give this match four and a half stars. Uh, I could I, I could have gone longer. I loved it. I was surprised that Tashi Ishimori went over here, um, and he was your champion going into Wrestle Kingdom 17 uh, as well. But um, Kushida here on his way out, and yeah, you couldn't have asked for a better for a better matchup. When Kushida came back to New Japan this past year after leaving NXT, um, first person he called out was Tashi Ishimori. Uh, unfortunately, Kushida cannot be at Wrestle Kingdom 17 since uh, he's got some uh, some illness. So they replaced it with Master Wado, which is just fine. Great talent. Uh, yeah, four and a half stars this particular match. Kushida taking on Ta Tashi Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Uh, can't yeah. say good, good enough things about this match. The love the lo lo love the uh, the finish too. The uh, Tashi's um, submissions are always fun. Yeah. The uh, well, for starters. You know, I'm, you know I'm a whore for when it comes comes to entrances and, and, and 
uh, an entrance of tires. Um, there was a skit where there was a little mini Kushida uh, that looked like a little Marty McFly Kushida. You get Doc Brown coming out. You set him on the stage, and he hits a button, and little mini Kushida goes away, and in comes in uh, real-time Kushida as he is – what's it called? The Time Bender? What's his, what was his game? Uh, 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 time Splitter. Time Splitter. Kushida and and I I loved I loved the wasn't, wasn't that awesome God it I was so that. cool phenomenal match it's crazy to think that it was now six out of six in title changes cannot say enough how fantastic this match which I gave it four stars I probably should give it a four and a half it was great but with the next three matches on the card it's hard to like put up against them uh, next up on the card here the first non-title match since the pre-show Jay White coming to the ring with Guido. Uh, taking on Kazuchika Okada, a 14-minute, 18-second match. Um, Guido has turned his back on Okada and now runs with Jay White going into this into this match. Great story was told. There's a lot of back-and-forth move reversals at the end that were brilliant. Uh, I would love to see more of, like, reversing finishers instead of hitting people, instead of guys hitting finishers and kick, kicking out at two. I love the way they they did this match. I gave it four stars. What a match it was. Like you said, sort of the birth of the rise of Switchblade, Jay White, PJ. How'd you feel about Jay White versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 13? This match got five stars out of me. No kidding. Uh, for the, for the, you no, know, not at all. For the sole purpose of the storyline, um, the underdog that is Jay White. Nobody expected Jay White to win that match. Not even no, no one. Oh yeah, it, you know Okada's your boy, and who's this new guy beating Okada in 15 minutes? When a couple of years ago he went almost an hour with Kenny Omega. You know, um, the match was just so great. It the reason it gets five stars for me is because of what they were able to, accomp- to accomplish just in those 15 minutes. And I think that's a really great testament to the booking, and it's a great testament to the talent in the ring. So Jay White, Kazushika Okada, five stars out of me. It takes one blade runner, runner to put Okada down. And um, wow, and Kevin Kelly says the, says the best. He said, you know, you didn't expect that. You know, what a shocker, what an upset, you know? Oh, yeah. And like and you now, said, and, like, and, now the, and, and now these two just headlined the last Wrestle Kingdom. What a, what a match and what a start to the rise of Jay White. Um, kind of like people didn't expect Jay White to ever win the title, and he does, and it doesn't happen without knocking off Okada at Wrestle Kingdom here. Just what a great what you know, you talk about long-term storytelling, long-term booking. This was ultimately long-term booking because, like, again, you've got to start somewhere. And this is where Jay White started. So kudos for him, kudos for them putting this match on. What a great story. That is your last four-star match that you're going to get from me on this card. Because, spoiler alert, I gave the next two matches five stars. The the penultimate match being an Intercontinental Championship. No disqualification match. That's right. IWGP Intercontinental Championship would eventually be, be morphed or, or be, uh, be what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not combined. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, you, unified. Uh, like unified, yeah. Unified you. with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. But at this time, the Intercontinental Championship of IWGP is being defended by Chris Jericho as he defends against Tetsuya Naito. I wrote one note for this match, PJ. This may be one of Chris Jericho's best matches ever. I thought mm-hmm. it was incredible. I thought it was the right pace. I thought it was the right amount of, of sort of the heel work from Jericho, proper use of, of weaponry in a wrestling match. Um, I can't say enough things. 22 minutes, 35 seconds is what this match got. PJ, how'd you feel about this match between Naito and Chris Jericho? Yeah, another five-star match for me. And... Um... <laughs> God, I love Naito so much. I can't wait for Naito to get back into uh, the title picture. I, I said that in my notes. That's all I could think of was like, man, this guy needs a belt on him. Not doesn't need it. That's not the right thing to say, but um, he does. He does look good with him on. Um, the weaponry that was in the match was great. It was it was rarely used, but when it was, it, it, it looked good. Um, I love Jericho's antics in the ring. I literally wrote in um, all caps: "Ask him, ask him." 
because I love that. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's going to ask him. Oh, it's great. Uh, yeah, five-star match, man. Tetsuya Naito, Chris Jericho, great stuff. If you've never seen Chris Jericho's New Japan work when he came back, this is a match that you need to go out of your way and see. Because... Yeah, the, the first person he took on was Kenny Omega, and then, it, and then you know, it went on from there. But This is this is peak New Japan uh, in the 2010s. Uh, this is some of the best work you'll ever see Chris Jericho do as a uh as an an older guy if you will uh however there will be a main event of this card and you've got to have a main event in new japan where the iwgp heavyweight championship is on the line the champion kenny omega accompanied the ring by matt and nick nick jackson defending against hiroshi tanahashi TJ, another five-star match is what I gave it, but I'm going to cede the floor to you. I've wrote some notes here, but I'm going to cede the floor to you and let you give us your thoughts first on this IWGP Heavyweight Championship match from Wrestle Kingdom 13. Okay, so thanks for letting me have the floor for this main event, first of all. Um, this is another five-star match. <sighs> Hiroshi Tanahashi never ceases to amaze me. He is what you just mentioned. He's he's older, you know. When you mentioned Jericho, yep. um, he he never he just he just never quits. He's he's always going. He's always re reinventing himself. He's always able to to keep moving and keep going. Um, that being said. It's like, will he be able to keep up with Kenny Omega? Because for the first time in a long time, it's like Hiroshi Tanahashi is your underdog. Because is he going to be able to keep up with Kenny Omega? And they kept this pace throughout the entire... By the way, the match went almost 40 minutes. Yeah, 40 39, minutes. 39 minutes and 13 seconds. Yep. And... Uh, they were able to keep that pace the entire match. A few notes that I have here. Um, let's see. So I love the video game style entrance for Kenny Omega. Yeah. Uh, super great. I love that. Um, you know, Omega's Terminator dive uh, is going to take him for a rough landing on the uh, on the outside. Uh, Tanahashi's going to land on Kenny's knees for a high oh, fly flow yeah. attempt, and that looked pretty brutal. I was like, "Damn, dude, that's that. Those are his ribs." Yeah. Um you know I loved the um <laughs> I wrote um he used a uh you know uh, or excuse me Omega used a sling blade high fly flow Tanahashi had a kick out at a one and oh, then an yeah. absolutely wide a reverse rana added a high fly flow for a near fall he's going to fight off Omega's onslaught and hit another high fly flow for the win at 40 so I, I just I love it or thirty nine thirteen excuse me but um man I mean this is the best to me this is the best Tokyo Dome main event since Wrestle Kingdom nine and it's it, it's it's amazing to see how great New Japan is uh with their booking and and just how how great the talent is by the way do you know the main event did you know the main event for um uh, Rush Kingdom Nine. I am not aware of it off the top of my head. No, it was it was Tanahashi and Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, where Tanahashi wow. defeated Okada, and that went thirty minutes. Um, well, thirty-two minutes, I think. And the match, the match. Let me put something in perspective. That's to me, well, not so much anymore, but at that time of thirteen, that was the best Wrestle Kingdom main event. The match before that. Shinsuke Nakamura and Kota Ibushi for the IWGP Intercontinental Champion is one of the best matches in New Japan history, in Tokyo Dome, Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan history. So the fact that this main event was able to be up there with those matches from Wrestle Kingdom 9, I mean, it's a 10-star match. Call me Dave Meltzer all you want. That's the kind of <laughs> match that you're getting. Yeah. It, it's, it, it was just tremendous. And God, I love it. I yeah. really do. So I was going to start checking off the, the, the notes that you made that were the same as mine. 
Some of the spots Tanahashi took in this match are violent, including the knees up. Uh, I call it, I mean, it's, it's basically a frog splash is what his finisher is. Um, he went through the table on the outside of the ring that looked violent. Uh, Tanahashi hits a Styles Clash in this match, which is really cool. Um, Omega just beating the ever-loving ever crap out of Tanahashi in this match. Uh, loved one-winged one winged angel reversal by Tanahashi. Yeah. I loved how how into the into it the crowd was, man. The crowd was phenomenal for this match. False finish after false finish. What a crazy match. The dragon suplex off the top rope. Uh, and Tanahashi, oh, that, that, yeah. that started that started the knee uh, working working the knee. Yep. And Tanahashi did not go down. What a spot that was! Um, after everything they hit, like you said, uh, Tanahashi hits his his frog splash finisher. Phenomenal match. Uh, listen, if you've never seen a New Japan show, if you've never seen a New Japan match, I would suggest you go to Wrestle Kingdom 13. You watch Tetsuya Naito against Chris Jericho, and you watch Hiroshi Tanahashi against Kenny Omega. It is a little more than an hour of your time. But if and you it watch, will be very worth it. If you watch these two matches, you will never want to miss another Wrestle Kingdom again. If it wasn't for the fact that I didn't have enough PTO, I would have taken off Wednesday and watched, watched New, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 17 you know, live. Not well, let's let's rephrase. Because I mentioned, I mentioned at the top of the segment that... uh. That I I my internet's been out until today, so we couldn't record this uh, prior to. Um, but if I had internet and I had the PTO, I would have taken off Wednesday and I would have watched Wrestle Kingdom because this is the kind of wrestling that you get when you're not in WWE, not necessarily even when you're AEW. This is like on a different level of professional wrestling that you are not used to seeing, where guys are really beating the crap out of each other. And you really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you got to think about this. Every single match, every single match on the main card that had a championship on the line saw a new champion crown on the show. Yeah. You will never see that on a WWE pay-per-view. You will never see that on an AEW pay-per-view. And especially when you have guys like Kenny Omega as the reigning champion, uh, Kushida as the as the junior heavyweight champion. Uh, you've got the Gorillas of Destiny as the tag team champions. You've got a bunch of guys that you would expect to retain championships and not retain. I mean, what a what a great I wouldn't call it a bunch of swerves because you weren't really like tricked into anything. But you truly couldn't pinpoint who was going to win these matches. And I think that's what makes wrestling the best. Pro wrestling is good when you cannot predict the finish. And so, right, correct. So what a what a great show, PJ. I gave this show five stars as a, as a as a whole. What would you give Wrestle Kingdom thirteen as an overall rating? Oh, five out of five, ten out of ten, twenty out of twenty. Probably. I, mean, I, I can't remember what shows we we saw in twenty nineteen. Um, I believe we went to WrestleMania in twenty nineteen. Was that the was that the New York trip that we took? Um. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we that, went to, so, yeah. So that was so, a, that was we a saw super the G, card. That we saw yeah. the G1 super because um earlier in that year uh after Wrestle Kingdom Jay White defeats Tanahashi for the title. Yep. And then we see Okada defeat Jay White uh, at the G1 Supercard. Um and that's where we saw Will Ospreay lose to Jeff Cobb as well for the Never yeah. Open Weight and the Ring of Honor. Um yeah, yeah. So yeah, Just, your, your timeline your timeline is correct. This 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 card may have been the best show of that year if we're thinking about it. Even WrestleMania, like that was the WrestleMania where Becky Lynch became Becky Two Belts, but with a botch finish that with made a that botch match, fucking finish. Yeah, yeah, that made that match sort of feel less. Obviously, you had Kofi Kingston knock off Daniel Bryan in in on that card. So, um, just what what a year for wrestling 2019 was. Uh, PJ, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we are going to preview Wrestle Kingdom 17 that we are going to be discussing next week on the show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back right here on Tap House and Touchdowns. All right, everybody. Welcome to the main event of this week's wrestling episode. Your guy, Bully Ryan, with you along with PJ Steven. All things Wrestle Kingdom leading up to next week's Tap outs and touchdown episode. We are winding down the end of the season 
and we are going to discuss Wrestle Kingdom 17. As PJ mentioned, uh, every Wrestle Kingdom takes place January 4th at the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan. It has already taken place, which is unfortunate because uh, I wanted to kind of preview it before it happened. Uh, but obviously, with uh, with it with a, a, a I guess a, a cable that got chewed through or what outside of my house, we didn't get to do it. Um, PJ, what a great show this is going to be! I'm not even going to try to start it. This match would have three pre-show matches, and then it looks like eight main card matches. Um, I don't want to give results, but go ahead and give a preview for everybody on what they can look forward to with Wrestle Kingdom 17 review next week here on Tap House and Touchdowns. So the biggest, the coolest thing with this uh, particular Wrestle Kingdom is that it is an Antonio Inoki memorial show. We lost Antonio Inoki in October of 2022. Um, as you know, he was the godfather of New Japan Pro Wrestling and, uh, and just a wonderful man. Um, so... Um, we're going to kick off a few things with one of the pre-show matches being an Antonio Inoki Memorial six-man tag match between Yuji Nagata, uh, Satoshi Kojima, Togi Makabe taking on uh, Makabe, excuse me, taking on Tetsumiya Fujinami, Minoru Suzuki, and Tiger Mask. All legends. All six of those men, men and. Uh, Incredible legends. We're also going to have the New Japan Rambo, which is just a uh, big battle royal. But this is for to determine who was going to challenge for the KOPW uh, 2023 championship at New Year's Dash. Of course, I was up early this morning. We recorded this on a Thursday. I was up this morning for New Year's Dash, which is fun. Uh, I won't go over every single match, but what I would go over, I'll go over the high spots. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championships are on the line. When Catch-22 is taking on the Super Junior Tag winners, uh, Lilo, Leo, who is Lilo Rush and Yo. Uh, for the first time ever, guys, we are getting an IWGP Women's Championship match between Kyrie and Tam Nakano. Or Nakano, excuse me, Tam Nakano. And uh, I can't wait to get into this match, and Frank knows why. Um, next, oh, the man. IWGP... Before we move on, listen, if you've, if you've seen it, if you have seen spoilers, I cannot wait to discuss what happens on next week's show about this. What an exciting time to be a women's wrestling fan in New Japan. What a ooh, I can't wait. I'm really, really excited too. I'm 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 anxious to see what you thought about it. And I'm anxious to see if you're as upset as some of the other like folks that I've seen who have no reason to be upset. Uh, I'm gonna move on. Because I'll just get hot about it. Uh, IWGP Tag Team Champions are on the line with our champions, FTR, who have one belt left. Can they hold on to the IWGP Tag Team Champions when they take on Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, who are the um, tag, team, tag Team Tournament winners? Um, Tamatonga is going to take on Carl Anderson for the Never Overweight Openweight Championship. Is Carl Anderson the first ever contracted WWE wrestler? to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom. Is he going to be able to hang on for the Never Open Weight Champion? Hiromu Takahashi, Tashi Ishimori, El Desperado, and Master Wado, the Fatal 4-Way for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Of course, Tashi Ishimori, your champion coming in. Uh, he's got three guys to go against. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to hold on to it. We're going to find out next time you are with us with Tap Outs and Touchdowns. Um, here we go. We have a double main event. For Russell Kingdom, and I know a lot of people don't like those words because there's technically only one main event, but uh, holy shit, these are two main events if I've ever heard one. Um, for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion, your champion, Will Ospreay, is going against the cleaner, Kenny Omega, all the way from AEW. Again, a contracted AEW wrestler wrestling at Russell Kingdom that happens uh, the last few years. This is big. Here, you know, this... before you go on, I should we, we you you, you kind of skated over first time in WWE wrestler wrestler Wrestle Kingdom. Now you officially have a WWE contracted wrestler on the same card as an AEW contracted wrestler. Yeah, it's I crazy. Think, I think that's bigger than just having a WWE guy on on Wrestle Kingdom and then having an AEW on Wrestle Kingdom. Like the fact that at some point you could have seen. 
potentially, uh, it would have been unlikely, you could have potentially seen Carl Anderson on screen at the same time as Kenny Omega. That is huge, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, if you didn't catch the press conference to Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, Will Ospreay gets in Kenny's face, and I mean, it's it's very kayfabe-ish, but um, he kind of shoots a little bit about what life has been like wrestling in New Japan under COVID rules, you know, 15-hour flights, um, getting pulled aside because uh, because of COVID restrictions and things like that. Um, he very much uh, he very much kind of shot there, which was uh, which was kind of cool to see. And then your main event, we just talked about him in uh, Wrestle Kingdom 13 in a non-title match years ago. Now it's led up to this all these years later. Kazushika Okada taking on your champion, your IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Jay White. Guys, this is not a Wrestle Kingdom to miss. Wrestle Kingdom 17 was just so fun and just an amazing, amazing pay-per-view, an amazing, amazing event. And I highly recommend spending spending the seven bucks to get New Japan World so that you may watch Wrestle Kingdom 17. Guys, it's going to be a great conversation. Please watch it so you can um, follow along with us as we talk about this amazing event. I didn't even name all the matches, guys. I, I skipped a few. Um, but those are the high spots. And this whole pay-per-view uh, was just so tremendous. And it, there's a lot of... Um, I don't think I don't think it's going to be beat by a lot of matches. Listen, um, throughout it, the throughout the year, if you go through the card, there's only two matches that go over 30 minutes. Um, you could easily, if if you don't want to take the time and sit down and watch this all at all at one time, you could easily break this card up and watch it in maybe two or three parts. However, I will I will give you the heads up. When I watched Wrestle Kingdom 13, I told I told PJ and you can vouch for me. That I'm gonna watch half of the show today. I'm gonna have watch half of the show tomorrow, and we're gonna record the show when I get done watching it. And did I not text you on Monday? Said, "Hey, I went ahead and watched the end of it. I can't wait to talk about this tomorrow." Yeah, because it, you just you just can't. I you can't turn it off. I promise you, I will be doing the same thing with Wrestle Kingdom 17. Um, now my weekend is a little busy. I've got golf and a dinner to go to on Saturday. Obviously, football is coming on Sunday um, with with uh, my my Lions playing the Sunday night football game. But um, I I will make time between now and Sunday to watch this card. And PJ and I are going to record the review, and it will be ready for uh, for wrestle hashtag wrestle Wednesdays on Wrestling Wednesdays on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Uh, I can't wait to watch this card. Uh, PJ, as always, I want to thank you for being on the show, and I want to thank you for, for turning me on to New Japan Pro Wrestling. I am so excited to watch this card. Dude, you're so welcome, because I try my best to turn one that I on Japan Pro Wrestling. I have to thank um, Lucas uh, Aldingo. I have to thank uh, Morgan. I have to thank... Um, um, Oh God, Jamie Jackson for you know helping me back in the day with Suplex City, who got me into New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, and I think the first one that I ever watched live, I think, was maybe thirteen. No, nah, it was twelve. Twelve was the first one I ever watched uh, live, I believe. And you know, it just got went on from there. But um, yeah, New Japan Pro Wrestling is where it's at, and Wrestle Kingdom every year. I mean, that's the Super Bowl for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and um, it never ever disappoints it's always consistent and that's what you want well we are going to try to get a former guest of the show uh dingo to uh to review wrestle kingdom 17 if you remember so if you listen to us on tobacco sports radio this week we re-debuted one of the days of wrestle kingdom uh that we reviewed in 2022 wrestle kingdom i guess that'd make it wrestle kingdom 16 uh, played on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, and we had Dingo helping review that show. We are going to try to get him back uh, and and to review Wrestle Kingdom 17 because uh, before I got really into it, you guys were the ones that helped carry that show uh, mm -hmm. because y'all knew so much about it. So I'm looking forward to hopefully getting him on there with us. Uh, I do want to mention 
Michael Davis from Out of Pocket uh, with Michael Davis podcast. He will be on, uh, hopefully, on the the season finale show. Uh, I've been on his show a few times uh, talking pro wrestling. We have expressed uh, expressed the, the desire to have him on the show with us, and I'm hoping that I get him on to the season five premiere when we when we get to review WrestleMania 2023. Um, but a couple things to look out for with some special guests coming before the end of season four. Uh, with that being said, I hope you all enjoyed the football episode or the football portion of the episode and the opening bell. Uh, a quick update. If you, again, if you've been living under a rock, I did mention DeMar Hamlin uh, and prayers going out to him. As of this uh, re- recording, this podcast, uh, last night he opened his eyes and he was able to communicate, writing down uh, notes to his doctor, actually wrote who won the game after he collapsed on the money, on the field on Monday Night Football. Incredible story. He is heading in the right direction. So continued prayers for DeMar Hamlin. And thank you once again for listening to the opening bell where we talk football and then all the Wrestle Kingdom talk that we had on this show. Stay tuned next week where we talk more Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom 17, 2023. For PJ Steven, it's your guy, Bully Rye, for tap outs and touchdowns, and I'll be around. <laughs>